want any like introduction at all or because i barely yeah, even so, know you <laughs> so what i like to do is yo i like to go straight from the straight from everything like it's totally sure. raw so uh-huh. um hey, hey everybody listening um as you know i'm silas mayner uh, you know a little bit about me i'll tell uh, thomas a little about myself as well here but today i'm interviewing thomas and i believe your not last name is pronounced nap is that correct yes nap right so thomas connected with me on linkedin a few days ago and just said hey we have a lot in common um, just wanted to get to know me. So I said, Hey, why don't we do an interview? So, um, if you have any questions for me, Thomas, why don't you go ahead and ask them for me and then I'll go and I'll start my questions. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'm super happy to meet you. It sounds like we did have a lot in common. Of course we're both in praxis, but I think we're both Catholics and we have that in common. So, and I know you've started businesses as well. So we have a lot in common. I was curious about your tea business. You, like, uh, I know you were shipping tea or something like that. Could you tell me more about it? Yeah, so uh, I have a business with a friend of mine called Chemate. So the what we do is we uh, sh- we import different uh, yerba mate products, and yerba mate is a it's a loose leaf tea that's grown in South America and widely consumed there. So um, a little like a short version of the background is that in April, Ethan had gotten back from Argentina. He was visiting his sister. And he's like, hey, man, I got, I tried this stuff, this yerba mate. It's amazing. You got to try it. <clears throat> so I tried. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like within just a couple of times of like drinking, I could sense the difference between coffee and, and tea. And I never really liked tea, but this, I liked this because it had a stronger flavor. I said, okay, why don't we start a business? Because I feel like there's a market for it. So we started the idea, a bunch of different things happened. And then in July, we eventually uh, ordered our first shipment. And uh, so we repackage it. We've gone through a couple of trial and errors here, you know, kind of the sprint mindset, you know, a startup mindset. And right. um, now we're, we're rolling. It's, it's still a work in progress, but uh, yeah, it's, that's it's awesome. Fun. So it was popular in South America and you kind of brought it to the U S market where it wasn't as known maybe. Well, we're not the only ones. Uh, there are hmm. other companies who do uh, sell your Mate products in the United States, but they're just, I don't know. There's, there's different kinds, right? There's one that sells it in a, like in a can where you just drink it kind of like an energy drink and that's how they market it. Like an energy drink for hippies kind of. And then there's one that has like this whole weird kind of like cultish ideology to it. It seems like, I mean, this is just what I get from their, from their, uh, from what they portray their brand. Right. Right, I see that um, on a lot of beer brands. Like you see this weird cult, <laughs> demonic stuff on all this alcohol. Yeah, so uh, there's all different like ways it's portrayed, and I feel like we're one of the very few companies that, uh, at least our goal is to share the like the experience behind it, right? So the you sit down, you have it with your friends, and you drink it with everybody. Like it's a community thing. It's your friends, your family, and it helps you to slow down. And we also sell it in the way. Uh, I have a I have a gourd here actually. Oh, cool! Yeah. So it's drank traditionally in a gourd like this shape, right, with this kind of straw. Oh, so okay, cool. A lot of companies don't do it that way, and and that's what we're trying to to maintain the the authenticity of it. So. Awesome! That's really cool. Am I allowed to ask you about like uh, sales or revenue? I'm just curious. Like, is it off the ground yet? Is it still like in development? What's like the stage? So of the at at this time, uh, feel free to ask any questions you want. I might not answer all of them, but this one I can answer. <laughs> Um, we still have not made money overall. We're still technically in the hole. We've put more money into it than we've made out of it, but we're only what, two and a half months in. So I'm not too worried about it. I haven't also put very much energy into it at this point because 
Um, I will be doing it for my portfolio project coming up and then I'll be putting more energy into it. I was planning to I, originally we, I can hear you. Yeah. I, I've been hearing you the whole time. Can you okay, hear me? Sorry. I lost an internet connection for a second there. Um, yeah, it was, it's all good. All right. So, uh, basically I'll have to edit that out, but we lost connection there for a second. Um, what I was saying is that we're only a couple months in. I was planning for September because I thought that was going to be my uh, portfolio project month that I would do that. I build my business even more during that month. But then the day, uh, the, the Wednesday before that month began, we were told that we were going to be having a new module. So it was a new module mm-hmm. called building a second brain, which is pretty awesome. I'll be doing a recap on that with JD tomorrow. Um, and so I, I kind of put it off and I haven't been really working on it because I've been doing Praxis, been doing my, my, right. you got your hands it's full. not, it's not really a full-time job, but I act like it's a full-time job. I treat it with a lot of, you know, constant effort and then awesome. the tea business. So there's a lot of things I traveled a bunch this month too. So. Yeah, cool. I would, I would say definitely don't worry if you're in the hole a bit in terms of revenue, like if you just started two months, it took me a full year to get to the point where I was profiting with my airsoft manufacturing business. So and I think I barely, barely made even when I, once I finished the business, like when I finally yeah. exited. But yeah, it's all about the learning experience. It doesn't Absolutely. matter if you're in the hole a bit, like you're like down on some money, especially like if you only invested like, you know, a couple hundred, maybe thousand. Correct. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's I'm not, not like too gonna... worried about it. I know that the whole point of it for me is to learn because for sure. you, you need to learn. Otherwise you're not, you can only, I mean, we all, we both know this firsthand from practice. You learn from doing. Absolutely. So. That's what I said on both of my interviews before this, when they asked, like, tell me about yourself. I'm like, well, I'm the person that kind of learns from experience rather than classes. And I just went Correct. into all my, yeah, literally nonstop. I went from interview to another interview to then this podcast with you. So I've been in this chair for three hours interviewing people. <laughs> Very good. So you're all warmed up. That's perfect. I just for had sure. a, a meeting before this. So um, I guess the first thing is, I don't think we got uh, a lot of background on yourself. Uh, why don't you give me a little bit of your background, where you're from, uh, kind of your, your family situation, your schooling situation, all that stuff. Sure. So as far as where I'm from, I don't really feel like I can identify with any specific location. <laughs> I lived in Florida for, t- Florida for 10 years. So, you know, that kind of feels like home, but I just moved to South Carolina a few months ago. So I've been living here for a couple of months. Um, I'm looking to relocate as soon as possible. So that's a location. It, you know, it's kind of ambiguous, but I'm trying to find a real place. Um, I was homeschooled for most of my life, uh, just like many of the practicings were. I believe you. We went to the same homeschool, so uh, yes. that's pretty freaking awesome. It was a small group, so that's such a coincidence. Can um, you, for people who don't know, because obviously you just said we went to the same homeschool, they're probably like, what the heck? Like, yeah. Sense. You're not yeah. better. So could you explain Seton Home Study a little bit for them? So... You know, for me, it was hell. I hated Seton. It was the worst. (laughs) But what it is, is, you know, basically, you take all your classes online, and there are teachers and stuff, you don't have to technically be taught by your parents. Most people when they hear homeschooling, they think, you know, you're locked in your closet all day with your parents. And they're the ones, (laughs) your dad is the principal and the gym teacher and your mom is like, (laughs) that's not how it is. So, So in Seton, they would teach you, they'd ship you their books, they'd ship you some, you know, material for you to work on. And that's how we did it in Seton. Uh, There's no interaction with other students. So it's really weird that, you know, we could have been studying the same time at Seton. Like, what classes did you take? 
I'm sure it um, made well, you take I mean, English. I, I took English. I did. I did all of the typical ones. I think that of the electives, I chose stuff like um, I ended up choosing the less in-depth math, and I chose the the uh, what's it called consumer math. I liked that. That was super easy and really applicable. Um, I took. I don't honestly remember. It's been so long. I mean, I remember taking prose and poetry. Um, I remember American literature. I actually, so I hated English. Me too, ninth, dude. In ninth grade. Absolutely hated it. Ninth grade, 10th, and then like 11th. And I didn't even do 12th because I hated students so much. I gave up. But holy crap, <laughs> English, we're on the same page. So I, but the thing is, I hated it when I started. Ninth grade was very difficult. I ended up finishing a little late. But after that because i had never had a submit assignments like that like it was no like so i had my mom's help for a lot of that for like figuring out how to submit assignments and we never had internet so it was all mailed in oh my gosh how did you manage <laughs> yes and well my mom mailed it all in for us but anyways 10th grade i was on my own like because there's eight of us i'm the oldest of eight and mom had right. other things to deal with so she she took care of that um, she w- or she would send it in and I took care of the schooling, but I actually came to love English. Like I love poetry. I love, I still don't really understand the English structure completely, but I really enjoyed all of the content we read. Like that's pretty much the extent of my classical reading is seat. So I really appreciate that because now I read nothing besides business, which I know is not always good, but I only read business stuff. So. You back? Uh, we back. Sorry about that. I swear, I pay for the nicest internet in town, and it's still not very good. <laughs> Where are you um, located right now? North? I'm in Wausau, Wisconsin, so central Wisconsin. Gotcha. I mean, Wisconsin. It's, it's not very nice. So, <laughs> But um, Wausau is a decent town. But, okay, I was saying that I didn't like English. I ended up um, liking English because of, because of Seton because I did so wow. much reading that I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the reflection on the stories. And I really like the poetry part of things, especially American literature was interesting to me. So I became a, a fan of uh, Robert Frost. But now I pretty much oh, read, okay. I pretty much only read like productivity books and business stuff. Like For sure. I, I still try to read like some C.S. Lewis, things like that, but I just don't get around to it. Yeah, I think I have so, some books right here that you might be familiar with. I don't know if you can still hear me. I can still hear you. Dude, I think you both like Gary Vaynerchuk, correct? We do. Uh, I have some Gary V books, but um, uh, I feel like we, we both like business reading. For me, when I Seton kind of made me hate English, at least writing. Uh, I never got introduced to like poetry or anything. I hated writing the papers so much. Like when I finally finished it, I'm like, okay, I want to read what I want now. I'm going to read and write what I want to write about. So interesting how we both, you said you hated it at first, but it taught you to love the, oh, the yeah. reading I came, part. I came to, I don't like reading. I like listening to books, but what Me I too. really like audible was I, yeah, that's why when you were going to pull out Gary V's books, I don't have them. I only have them on audible. Right. Um, I actually bought them and followed along through during audible. Oh, did you? Like, okay. Um, so like the thing that I really liked was English, like I loved poetry mainly because especially, especially uh, American poetry, the American uh, writers, because I just thought it was so cool how you could find like the simplest thing and turn it into this beautiful like allegory, or I don't know if that's the right word, but like just find so much beauty in the simplest things. Mm-hmm. And 
I really enjoyed reflecting on the stories and figuring out the 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 conflict because to me, like I constantly am, am thinking about that now. It's okay. These characters I read about in high school, like they had either some kind of conflict. Typically, I liked the ones that had internal conflict, man versus self. And I was like, that's me in my life. Like we all have man versus self at some point and to some extent, like it's, it's never ending battle. So right. I don't know. I just liked it. Like I don't, um, cause I finished all of it. Like I ended up with a 4.0 for 12th grade, but I have nice. to disclose. I only had three subjects in 12th grade because I did as many as I could the first three years. So I only had t- three to do with the last year. Um, oh, that's awesome. So did you, um, if you still like, kind of a philosophical type of guy do you read any like um have you ever heard of jordan peterson maybe uh, i've heard of him i don't actually follow him a lot uh i hardly consume any content at this point i used to follow like i, I still do follow gary vantrick but i almost never listen to his stuff besides mm-hmm. what uh the alexa skill in the morning um which is just a tad bit of something and I, his last one was right. pretty good <laughs> but um no, the, the philosophy that I follow is mainly like, I like Simon Sinek a lot. I believe oh, his dude, philosophy on millennials him. is amazing. Um, so I feel like we've seen the same video by him. <laughs> yes. there's I've read his books or well, listened to his books. Right. Um, except for the newest one. I didn't get that one yet. The infinite game that just came out. Um, but yeah, I like Simon Sinek a lot. I think he's a really good philosopher. And I also like, the philosophy that Gary Vee teaches essentially, you know, right. do what you love kind of thing, you know? Yeah, for sure. Awesome, dude. Um, so cool. How old are you now? You said you graduated high school already? Correct. Yeah, I'm 20. Um, I sold, so like I sold insurance for a year and a half and um, I really learned a lot. So like before I did that, I worked like six different jobs in the course of seven months, six wow. or seven months. <laughs> um, I, a lot of them were all at the same time. There was a couple of them I said, I can't do any, I can't do anymore. So like I quit a couple of them. Um, they were all part-time, but they got me introduced to really good people who are my mentors to this day, most of them. Um, so then I got an opportunity cause winter was coming and I had only summer work essentially. And I got an opportunity to sell insurance. And I said, um, what the heck, you know, I mean, it, I didn't want to do it, but then my, my boss who's my godfather sold me on it and said, you know, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to make good money, et cetera, et cetera. Those first two things are the main reasons. So I did it for a year and a half. And then I was like, you know, I learned a lot. I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I said, you know, sayonara, uh, I'm headed out. Um, and then that's when I decided to go into praxis because I had applied in March, got accepted. And then was like, well, I really don't want to go backwards in income because I had this mindset that I had to keep making more, which is completely mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, it was like right. kind of a, an unhealthy mindset that like you're 20 years old, I was 19 at the time, you're 19 Absolutely. years old, make, making 67. You don't, you can't expect to keep going. Like that's based on sales. Like that's not your, uh, you're not, that's not because of your knowledge. It's because of your effort. Right. So then when I left, I was like, you know what, this practice thing might be kind of cool. So I double checked and you know, I contacted them again, reapplied and they said, yeah, you're good to go. So I started in August. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. So kind of similar to me, I actually, got laid off at my job, the whole office closed. So everyone was basically fired. And that's kind of when I started joining Praxis. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it would be a step up in income for me. But I understand your mindset where it's not really how much you make, you don't have to make more every single job. Because if you're in a startup environment, 
I think you're going to thrive. You're going to learn more than ever because startups kind of have you do a lot of different things. And I think you'd be good at that, especially based on what you've described. But yeah, no shame in taking a, a different job that isn't necessarily a step up in ter- terms of in terms of income. Yeah, and that's the thing is like it's it's not even so much that it's that I was like because I really wanted the knowledge I thought practice would teach me, but the whole idea of going and then working for this, I was like, eh, you know, I I still do believe, and I I'm not sure exactly how this will play out. I have a feeling that because right now the job I have is very similar to what I had before with insurance, except it's just sales in marketing so i do marketing sales right i can make just as much money or more probably more if i do do it like full time so i'm not at this point where i'm deciding okay do i do i just accept this job once i'm finished with the education part of praxis and say listen guys like i know you have business partners but this job is teaching me so much because my current boss to my knowledge he wants me to take over if i stick around right he wants me to do it and he can kind of step out and then I'll run the show. He just makes the money kind of thing. So there's that. And then there's the idea of going to work for a startup, which I would know I'd meet more people. I would, I would have different experience because I feel like there's almost equal experience either place. And I talked to some people in the mastermind, uh, the sales mastermind two weeks ago. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that, with Nick Runlet. Right, Nick Runlet, yeah. Yeah, he runs that. And those people were saying, listen, you know, if you stick around at the marketing firm, and you keep doing that, that's going to be huge because you're essentially a manager. And if you do want to move, then you can easily move into a little bit higher position at a startup because you have experience already, especially if you're willing yeah. to work for less. Because to me, it doesn't come down to how much you make. I mean, I want to make enough to pay my bills, but I just care about um, doing something I love. And that's challenging. That's going to teach me a lot because right. in order to run my businesses someday, I'm going to need to have a lot of knowledge. Absolutely, dude. We have the same mindset in that regard because we both want to like kind of start our own business down the line. I know you wanted to start like your um, Catholic businessman thing, corporation. That sounds Mm -hmm. awesome. But yeah, you can both learn from like whatever startups we go to and down the, maybe years down the line, maybe whenever we feel comfortable, it's easy to transition from a startup into your own business because you learn so much from them. Correct, like. And they keep, they keep emphasizing that a lot in the interviews. They'll say, like, you're going to learn so much in this environment. Uh, trust me, I think practice is for you. You're in the right yeah, place, Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Like, I got so much value simply out of the pre-program work. I was like, I mean, I learned how to build a website for crying aloud. And the LinkedIn information that they gave you to build your LinkedIn profile, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Like, I never thought about that, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I, I like it. You know, I really like the knowledge I teach. There's some things that I think are kind of, like, pointless a couple things here and there but it's like okay well whatever you know i'm sure that's good for some people like some people need that for me there's certain things i don't need everybody's different right and but i what i do love is that especially tk will really communicate it very clearly he says listen if you think this isn't working for you and if you don't think this is as good as something else come to us and say hey i don't like this i'd rather do this and i think i'll get more value out of it they'll be like oh sure great let's fix it up have you done that before um, I haven't done it exactly yet because for the most part, everything's been pretty good. The only thing is during one of the calls, I was kind of shooting my mouth off in the chat, uh, one of our <laughs> Wednesday calls. And I said, you know, so far TK, this seems pretty easy because like, it's not that hard. It's just a matter like, I, I didn't put it in context. I didn't say doing practice is easy. I said, this work is easy. <laughs> so like the work was easy because all it was is writing some blog posts, interviewing people, summarizing it and putting it to blog posts. So. I was like, that's easy. 
but I wasn't like, I was not stating, oh, by the way, it's really hard to fit this into my time schedule because I'm just so busy with my other stuff. So I ended right. up having a call with TK because he's like, hey, if this is too hard, if it's too easy, let's make it harder. I was like, okay, let's go. Let's, let's check this out. Dang, so dude. He gave me some examples of how you can make it harder. He's like, listen, now you go and you comment on every single piece of, every single deliverable in that channel, in that Slack channel. And then you can come to me and say if this is still easy because he's like, you're going to gain so much knowledge by seeing all this other creativity and then by giving your two cents on it. And so I did mm. that for like two days and I was so done. I could not do it anymore. I was like, I don't have time for this, you know? So <laughs> he was right. You know, it was, it, but it did, did bring me some extra value. So for example, though, it, it wasn't me that did this, but um, one of the people in our module, she just announced to us uh, last week, I think, or is it the beginning of this week? I can't remember. My days are mixed up right now, but she talked <laughs> with Cameron and she said, you know, I just, you know, she's a little bit older, I think. And she's like, you know, I don't feel like this whole thing, like I'm not really interested in this kind of mindset that it seems like I'm getting. So she's like, I'd rather just start pitching companies right now. And she's like, so she ended up, instead of doing the writing module this month, she's doing her oh. portfolio project this month. And so she's going to a different, different module this month. And then after that, after this month, she's going to be pitching companies. And that's like the plan that Cameron came up with her. Like, this is what's best valuable or most valuable for Michelle. So I just like right. that because to me, like if they're going to say, Oh, you have to do it this way, then it's different. But if they say, all right, well, if, you, if this doesn't work for you, then what does let's figure it out. Right. Yeah. They're very adaptable. Practice is awesome. Oh, All the people that work absolutely. there are awesome. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Cool. So um, tell me a little bit about your airsoft business. Is it still going? Like, did you, you know, just tell me a little bit about that, how, how that conspired. Uh, sure. Well, it started about, so I used to run a drop shipping business. I, mean, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept, but basically you buy something from someone else's website uh, and ship it to a customer uh, using their resources. So you wouldn't actually do any shipping. And I really liked the idea of shipping products to customers around the world and you know providing value to them that way. But I didn't like that I was in control in the logistics process, how I couldn't actually ship it. And it wasn't really my product. I was selling someone else's product for them. That's how dropshipping works. So I, I sold that business and I'm like, how can I build on what I've learned? I've learned that I really like shipping products to people around the world. And I've learned that I've, that I hate like not having control over logistics. So I started Tactical Airsoft. Uh, I basically partnered with a factory in China and you know, they produced a, a sample product for me, kind of like a, a prototype and we got that produced. I liked it. And eventually I started manufacturing like 500 of them, ship them out to the U S and started selling them that way. It's Airsoft BBs was the product, my first product anyway. Um, I'd partner up with local stores around my area, uh, try to sell it to them. I sell them in bulk rates to customers out in the field, in the, in the airsoft field. Uh, it's kind of a niche thing, but it's what I was interested in at the time. And then mm. about a year of that not going well, there wasn't enough sales. I turned to Amazon FBA. Um, that's basically where all my income came from. I think I hit almost $10,000 uh, $10, in revenue after I launched my second product, which was like a speed loader from a different uh, factory. But yeah, it's not really going anymore. I sold out completely on all my stock, which is something I'm super proud of. Um, I don't know. If you can see this. Here's one of the products. I kept it in my house just for the sake of um, 
memories, okay. you know? <laughs> yeah. But I sold out completely. I'm not going to reorder, even though I, I, hit, I hit a point where I was profiting. I decided to not reorder because Praxis is a lot, and I want to dedicate myself fully to whatever business I, you know, get placed at. Correct. It's kind of the same mindset I had is that when I decided to do Praxis, I said, okay, listen, I feel like, especially because I really try my best to, I'm sure you do the same, to figure, okay, what does God want me to do? Because, like, he gave us gifts, and we're supposed to return it to him. So I said, if I'm going to do this, like, this seems to be the thing. Like, I got basically, I, the, the re, I left my job because of situations that I really didn't, like, it wasn't really... Yeah, you can just kind of feel it's not it, really... It wasn't, like, it wasn't right. me just saying one day, yeah, I'm gone. It was like a conversation was had, and I was like, yeah, I'm gone, that kind of way. <laughs> so, um, basically, I was like, well, this seems like what God wants me to do, so I'm going to dedicate myself to it. That's why I put my priority on Praxis, and mm. it turns out that because of Praxis and the way it is structured, I was like, oh, wow, I can actually build my tea business alongside of that, and sure. it'd be part of Praxis. So that's why I have this this marketing job, like, I, I dedicate a decent amount of time to it, but it's not obviously full time. If it was full time, I would really be crushing it. But like right now, I'm probably working 20 hours a week in total. That's that's including sales development and web development. Like, so it's really SEO kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I build websites, even though I don't actually know how to code a lick. Like, right. I can't do maybe WordPress, else. maybe Wix. Well, we're using his his, his version of WordPress. Basically, his uh, Matthew has a he has a specific application that we can build off of and do custom stuff as well. So it's kind of like that, but it's his own version. Cool. It's called, it's called Mojo portal. Hmm. Um, but so that's, that's the same thing is I wanted to dedicate myself to this. And I said, I'm going to see where this takes me. That's why I haven't made a decision exactly what I'm going to do. Cause I want to see how it plays out. I don't like to make decisions ahead of time because I know that God opens the doors as you go through them. Right. Just got to like, um, pay attention, figure out what God's will is and not just do what you want where the money is. At least that's what I correct. try to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, Inter- interesting to have like sort of a, a commonality where we're both religious. I've never actually met someone in Praxis who kind of shares that sort of belief. Yeah, it's true. I haven't either. That's why I was really surprised. I was like, whoa, bro. <laughs> this is Seton awesome. too? That shocked me. There's no yeah. way. I, I still don't Seton. even believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy, I think. I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm doing a project with Cameron where I'm trying to basically reach out to homeschool families and people in homeschool circles and say, listen, like I know a lot of you already, I have the idea that you don't really like public school, you know, rightfully so. But what about college? Are you still going to send your kids to college? Like what if they don't want to, here's an option and here's practice. So um, I'm working on that project right now. I haven't dedicated a lot of time this last month, but this month I'll be giving more time to it because it's a blogging month and it's pretty easy. Mm, right. Um, for you. It was a brutal for me. I hated well, that month. Yeah, I'm not I a don't... writer, dude. I'm not a writer. <laughs> What's your strong, what, what would you say your strong suit is? Oh boy. I wonder if I even have a strong suit, to be honest. I think I'm more of a jack of all trades. I like to dabble in many different business processes, but you know, am I an expert at one thing? Probably not. I can write pretty well, thanks to Seton, even though I hated it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not something I particularly love. It's not really my passion. Uh, so what what role are you going trying to go into? Are you trying to go into operations, sales, marketing, customer service? So right now, I'm looking at two operations jobs and one marketing job. Uh, two, of the, two of them are in San Francisco. One's in Las Vegas. 
So a, two of them are very like executive assistant type roles. Um, I'd be helping the CEO manage his calendar and, you know, working on miscellaneous projects. And it's kind of what I like doing, helping around the business, helping around the office, like streamlining processes, maximizing efficiency. Uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, assistant kind of stuff to the CEOs, which, you know, might not sound interesting managing the calendars of people. I don't know. It I, sounds pretty interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, dude. Hey, if I, if I don't like one of them, I'll recommend you as a candidate because you're sharp and I'm sure they'd hire you after like, even if you haven't finished Praxis. But um, yeah, because they can't all hire me. But um, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of deep in the interview process, so it's starting to get pretty nerve wracking. Like, I don't know. I have no clue what I'm inside. I like all the companies, but um, yeah. Very nice. So are those business partners or yeah, is that the word business partners um, of Praxis or are they not affiliated? One of them is the BP business partner. Uh, that's in San Francisco. The other two have no affiliation with Praxis as of now. Uh, but if I if they hire me, I think they would become a business partner. I don't know. Do you have, uh, how did you find them? So all of them came to me. All of them reached out to me because they wanted to interview. Once you hit module five or module six, I guarantee you specifically will be a high like priority for people to hire you. Like you'll start getting emails at least two a week. People are going to say, Hey, can I interview you? Can I interview you? I already know like based on what I've heard from you, you're going to get the same type of deal. People are going to reach out to you and you're still going to be creating pitches and, you know, applying to other jobs. But all three of the opportunities that I'm looking at were people that, wait, no, only two of them that I'm looking at were people that reached out to me. One, I reached out to them, but yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of nerve wracking. Like once you finally get there, you're like, crap, Praxis isn't a scam. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know, like this is the problem I have is like, I don't want to be too arrogant about it because I struggle with arrogance as, as, a, as a, like from the beginning, oh, but yeah. I, the job I have now with my marketing firm, I was approached by, so this is a, the short version of the story. I was thinking about leaving my insurance job for like a month or two before I left, obviously. And I was like looking around at different options and stuff like that. And I ended up doing a lot more networking because I was like, at the beginning of the year, I decided I'm going to live and do what Silas wants to do. Not what everybody else wants to. So I started networking and just trying to get to know people. Cause like, you never know, like, I didn't do that as much before. So I met this guy. I had known one of the people because he wanted me to run for city council. And I went oh, to a snap. networking event. I, I was going to, I, I decided against that, but I wanted, I went to a networking event. He was there and he introduced me to his friend. He said, Oh, this is Alfred. He's like, Oh, I was like, yikes. It's cool. Nice to meet you. I happened to have like a really nice suit on that day and um, <laughs> like my best suit. And anyway, so Alfred's like, Oh yeah, nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, like he's that same day, he said something about like, Oh, why don't you come work for the same bank I work for? I was like, okay. Cause I, I was always at the mindset. How can I help you? Like I kept saying, how can I help you? He's like, well, how can I help you? And I was like, who does that? <laughs> um, so anyways, he was in the background getting a hold of the right people. And then he eventually said, Hey, this guy is the one in charge of this branch of the bank. And it's like a separate, it's like an insurance side of the bank. And, he, and then he reached out to me and we started an interview process, right? So during this time, I also went to another networking event and Alfred was there as well. And then I met this guy, Matt, who's my current boss. Okay. 
And I talked to Matt for like five minutes. I swear, literally, that's all. And I had mentioned, I had mentioned um, my tea business because it was still only an idea. There was no actual tea at the time. Right. And I had my own gourd personally and my own, my, my own drink. <clears throat> and then I also had mentioned something about marketing to him. Cause I was thinking about doing a marketing business of my own. Um, and so I guess like a week later, Matt had talked to Alfred and said, I want to hire Silas because Matt rents or he's actually, a, he, he's, he leases from, from Alfred. And Alfred said, Nope, you can't talk to him. I'm trying to hire him. <laughs> so, <laughs> Basically, once I went through the interview process and said, you know, sorry, I don't really want to take this job with the bank. Then literally like three days later, Matt calls me like, or messaged me on LinkedIn, like, hey, want to get coffee? And I was like, okay. He didn't, he didn't specify anything about what he wanted to talk about. I was like, what is he trying to pitch me? So it turns you say? out he Just like, sure. I was like, yeah, sure. But like, what's this in regards to? Cause I, I would tell you beforehand. I think he did talk. A little bit he's like he didn't really he was not specific i was assuming it had to do something with either he wanted me to do something for him like a work for him or something i assumed that based on the conversation because i was an investigator basically with insurance i was like okay i'm guessing this is what he wants but then i went there and i was like i basically one of the first things i said was so uh what's your pitch <laughs> <laughs> and um then he's like well let's slow down <laughs> because <laughs> he didn't want to do that so anyways so, we talked like three this coffee's times pretty and... good <laughs> so we talked three times i think and then he's like okay how about we do this let's just see how it goes like show up to the office on monday and um i'll give you some work to do so anyways i kind of have the same like this mindset like i already know that because i had so much experience in insurance and i'm good at talking to people as a 20 year old that puts me way above the bar already. Right. For I don't sure. want to say that's good enough because what happens if the bar suddenly gets raised again? Hmm. Um, so I've had people like you, but obviously without practice reach out to me and say, Hey, I want you to work for me. Um, I've actually had that multiple other offers too, but <laughs> my point is I'm excited to see how this goes. I don't want to be arrogant, but I'm like, I hope this really makes me even higher on that list. So like nationally people are looking for me. Yeah, for sure. Like once you, get in Silicon Valley or the San Francisco area, or once you're in any startup, the connections you build, from what I've heard, are priceless. Like someone got a job at a startup and their next job came from someone that they randomly met walking down the street in San Francisco. Like the startup life, the startup culture is gonna help you meet so many valuable people and teach you so many valuable things. That like, Man, it's such a good place to be at our age. It's awesome. Gotta, yeah, I'm just always trying to figure out what is it that God wants me to do? Because if I'm going to do this Catholic businessman thing, it's like, okay, what do I do? Do I say, I'm going to try to start it on the side now? Or do I say I'm going to build the structure and then launch it at some point? Because I had really good advice from this guy once. I talked to him. Mm. This is when I was discerning because I had like eight different options to choose from. After I left <laughs> the insurance job, I had like eight major life choices I could have made. Like that would have right. sent me in different directions. I could I have become like, a priest. Is it you too? Or are you thinking well, about I, that at all? I had, I had discerned that already in the past. Like it wasn't, I had discerned that when I was 18. Mm. Uh, but I did discern that. I was going to be a brother actually. And then mm. I went down there for uh, a visit to Chicago to the, to the Institute of Christ King. And I was like, I was so certain that I gave away my dirt bike, my three-wheeler, my four-wheeler to my siblings. And I almost gave away my canoe to my brother, but I didn't. <laughs> And I was like, 
But oh, that's yeah, not gonna, what you're going to do. I'm going to join in September. And then I ended up going there and like literally in the second day, it was a super clear answer. Like, nope, it's not for you. I was like, oh crap, now what do I do? So then that all ensued. But eight options I had and I was like, this is stressing me out. I don't know what to do because I have all these different options I could choose from. So right. I talked to this guy. Somebody had mentioned him to me. Um, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure why I talked to him. I knew of this guy because he was one of my um, mentors, business partners. He had done some business and he's really a kind of a big hitter in, in, in Wausau. And I seen him at Starbucks all the time. Like I knew who he was and I had introduced myself once to him. And then one day I walked up to him and I said, Hey, Chuck, can I talk with you sometime for coffee? I just have, I just want to ask you pick your brain on stuff and ask your advice. He's like, Oh yeah, sure. Let's meet next week. So I talked to him and I said, you know, this is kind of what I'm facing here. You know, how do you do? And he said, and I think this is amazing advice. Um, sorry, I just got a message. I got distracted. This is amazing advice. Do what you want at a young age, the things that you would regret not doing later. So don't do anything that's going to tie you down, such as city council. Do things, because I said, I'm not going to go to college probably. He's like, okay, that's mm. fine. You got, you got three years left in his eyes. I was 19 at the time, I think. Or no, I was 20. And he said, you got about three years left of you figuring stuff out. Mm. So treat it as your own personal college. Like just figure out, like try things and try to do these different things. Like if you want to go live in Manhattan, go live in Manhattan. See if you like it. If you don't, go away. Right? So, oh. and I was like, oh, wow. So that was able to help me narrow down to like a couple choices. And I was like, hmm. My gut tells me, and this is before I was good at following my gut. My gut mm -hmm. tells me, do Praxis. So I did, and I love it. So Right. In terms, that's actually really good advice, like treating your 20s, your younger 20s, as like your own little college. Because you could do, you could go fly around the world, work at different startups around the world, and still learn way more than what you would in college, but come out with all this knowledge of what you now like and what you want to do for the rest of your life. Correct. And like a rule of thumb for, you know, religious people, I would say is like when you're discerning God's will for you is just say like, pray, decide, then don't worry about it. Pray, decide, don't worry. So if you've already prayed about it and you thought about it, you can't just sit around waiting for a clear sign from God that this is what they want you to do. You just got to pray, decide, and then stop worrying and just do it. And yeah. you know, they'll, you'll get little tugs and bumps from your conscience or your gut along the way. But I think that's the best advice I'd give for conscience and, you know, discerning. I really think that's good advice because that's, it's so true that if you are constantly second guessing your decisions, I have tons mm. of friends who they make it, they're good Catholics and they pray and they make a decision sort of, but they don't really make the decision. And so they're always like, eh, I don't know. Like, what about this? What about that? What about this? And it's like, buddy, you made the decision and you're headed in this direction. You have these gifts. This is what you thought about in the first place. You're headed in that area. Go that way. If it's not for you, put your faith in God and not in yourself that he will close the door and turn you the other way. Right. That's just that easy. So for sure. I've, I mean, it's always hard to remember that because you got it constantly happening. Mm -hmm. but, for sure. Um, I do have a couple more questions. I know we're kind of running over like the time I wanted. I, I really like interviewing. We should do this again sometime. Um, these are my favorite where we just have conversations. You know, I like, yeah, that. dude, I'm loving it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask was what is something that I can respect? And this is kind of selfish question, but 
for as far as like i'm in module three right now and the philosophy module will be removed because that's the one that got oh. replaced by building a second brain um at least unless of course something changes until then which we never know because it's basically a startup um what is something you would some piece of advice you'd give me going forward like what to expect kind of maybe not advice on how to maybe maybe both advice on what to expect and how to re, how to be open to what's happening with praxis in my next four interesting. months interesting okay so yeah a lot is changing like you said uh, i believe they had this strike system like if you missed a deliverable you'd get a strike i think that's gone now so that it's was gone. what i would tell you yeah so man, i hate to say it but in terms of moving forward after the writing module, it got a lot easier. For me, it was easy after module three. So I think you're going to be able to keep yourself busy. But the best thing, the best advice I would give to any Praxian is be very active within the community. Always check Slack. Always like send thank you messages when you're done. Like, you know, after when you finish each module, thank your instructor. Like, just message them, like, don't be afraid to get yourself involved in the community as much as possible. You know, on their Facebook workplace, always be active in your email. Communication is so, like, important. Now that I'm interviewing, you got to be on all the time. And that's something Praxis is teaching me, and that's something you could look out for. It's like, always be ready to uh, involve yourself in the community and, you know, stay up to date with what's going on and communicate actively. It's kind of a broad answer, but that's what I think no, about. That's good. So. No, I think it's a good. I think it's good advice. I, um... I have noticed that I've gotten a lot of value from the community specifically. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what I was conversing with one of the other participants. And she was saying that she thinks that to her, one of the most valuable parts of Praxis is the community because there's knowledge, but knowledge can be obtained. Like all of the knowledge we learn in Praxis, we could learn somewhere else, but mm -hmm. would we know to look for it? And the other thing is with Praxis, you have all the people. And all of those people, especially now that they're going into, like you had mentioned, Silicon Valley, those people are going into startups and they're still looking back. Oh, there's that, there's that group chat. There's that, um, the Praxis alumni workplace chat, right? They're still involved with that. And they're like, okay, you are looking for this job. I'm at a company or I know another company oh, who needs yeah. this role. And it's just going to be like, you know, 100% so, dude. Without a doubt, the most valuable part of Praxis, at least for me, is the community. 100%. Like, I, I don't know if you were in Praxis at the time, but we actually met up in Atlanta for a convention. They do this every now and then. And you get to meet everyone like face to face. And holy crap, the connections you meet, the people you see, like, not from a selfish standpoint, it can help you down the road. But you know, from like, just an empathetic standpoint, it's really nice to meet everyone in Praxis. It's just like, it's such a like it's such a like-minded group of people unlike anything yeah. i've ever seen before so it's it's a blast yeah absolutely i'm i'm excited for it. and I, I really like talking to you because my concern like one of my concerns was that the majority of the business partners with praxis are going to be expecting somebody who works super hard but hmm. is not like going to stir the pot too much like they're going to work super hard within the company but like for you and i we want to have our own businesses someday so like are they still going to see that ambition and say, oof, he might no. not stick around for many years? Well, not the, not the way I explain it. So the person I was interviewing with is actually a Praxis participant. So I was being interviewed by a Praxis participant. <laughs> and she said, she even told me she wants to start her own startups down the line. And people are okay with that. As long as you phrase it in the way that you're here to learn and, you know, 
I'm, I'm, I'm planning on staying at my company for a year or two, multiple years. I want to grow with them and start sure. my own like when I'm 24 or something, when I'm way older. But yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's a really good place to be. And companies really like seeing ambition. Even like your tea thing, you, they'll love it, especially if you can give them numbers of how it went. They are impressed. They question you about it. Some of them will say, no, why don't you want to do that full time? But it's really easy to like to you know oh, calm yeah. their worries. It's so easy to if you're a salesman, you can literally do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's unreal like how easy the interviews have been. Like the first one, I was kind of nervous. The second one, eh. But like everything after that, it's been like this conversation right now. It's just very human. We're just con- conversing back and forth, and it doesn't feel like an interrogation. And I already know you're going to be good at that because you have the salesman attitude. <laughs> Yeah, I had to have rejections a lot and I had to get used to uncomfortable situations and I mean, I give so much credit to my boss, my old boss because if is what if you could be in insurance and not learn a thing because it depends on who's teaching you. But I was taught so well by one of the best salesmen in the country and he drilled it into our minds and he wasn't like the kind of person who's like boom 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 like you know, cold calls, cold calls, cold calls. He was like <laughs> this is how you are in a meeting. And these are the tiny things you pay attention to, like the tone of voice, like how you get them excited, you bring them down, and you say, now it's time to buy, right? right. Like those kind of things wow. that nobody knows. Like it gets the emotions. Like it's kind of like NLP. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. It's something I'm NLP. super interested in. Neuro-linguistic programming. It's not oh. even a science yet. It's just an idea basically that hmm. – People do use, but a lot of them are just people who do it naturally on accident. Like I saw this guy, I don't know if you've heard of Tom Hegna, probably not because you're not in the insurance world, but I saw him speak at one of our, our, one of our conventions and he was in this speech and then he said something about how, you know, I'll try to imitate it the best I can. Throughout your life, you have your paycheck coming every month, right? Every month or every two weeks, you know, it's going to come and you work hard and then one day you retire and before you know it paycheck you're still coming in you got your ira but then one day it just stops because you ran out of money so basically what i did there was that snapping is like mm-hmm. it's a form of hypnotism kind of but like basically it just gets them to realize the importance of what you're saying because right, you use it emphasized sound. yeah um i saw another guy who did it it was we were talking about it was at a pro-life conference and he was like hmm. he was talking it was very sad he was talking about how all these times like children are dying but then he's like we need to slow it down to this like so Interesting. the point is it can really evoke emotion in people and it's something people are studying but there's no set um i don't know what the word would be there's no like actual proof of anything yet there's no like okay this is how you do it it's just kind of theory so i really am interested in that but yeah that's that is interesting um, that's awesome so I'm running out of time here because I got to get this thing edited and up before the, before the <laughs> practice call tonight. But right. it was great talking with you, Thomas. Um, yeah, for sure, dude. I'm excited. And I think we should do this again and we'll definitely stay in touch. Is there anything yeah, you'd sure. like to close out with? Oh, no, no, no. I'm good. It was All awesome right. talking with you, man. Uh, let's do it again sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's do it. Have a good one.